Service Radio. Welcome to Brightest Young Things Radio. My name is Brandon Weatherby. I am the managing editor of Brightest Young Things, and I am the host of this thing in which people talk in a microphone. Sitting with me is... Kay- Hi, I'm Kaylee Dugan, uh, and I'm the assistant editor of Brightest Young Things. Kaylee, how are you? I'm good, Brandon. How are you? I am fine. It is uh, Thursday before Christmas. Is the Thursday after Hanukkah. Is that how that works? That sounds correct. Hanukkah is close to over, if not over. I should know that. That's offensive, and I apologize instantly. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Brightest Young Things, if you don't know, is a website where we profile culturally relevant things in the city of Washington, D.C., with occasional coverage in Chicago and New York. Is that a fair uh I would say that's a very fair assessment of what we do every Fantastic. single day. That's a lot of days that we do that. And uh, you can find it all at brightestyoungthings.com. And because it's the end of the year, because it's the holiday season, for the next few minutes we're going to talk about all the things that we've read in 2017, some of the things that we've enjoyed, some of the things that we think you will enjoy, and you could find our feature about this, the best books of 2017, right now on brightestyoungthings.com. There is an asterisk in that headline, because though we are talking about 2017, these are books that we have read in the calendar year, not 2017, not necessarily books that came out in 2017. Yes. Does this make sense? Absolutely. And I would say I read more books this year that did not come out in 2017 than books that did. I think that's absolutely fair and accurate and like most people. How many books have you read this year? Do you know? I I don't know. I used to keep very good track, uh, and I stopped many years ago. Um, It bummed me out. It bummed you out that you didn't read as much as you hoped you did? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and uh, it, it took me longer than it used to. I used to be a very fast reader and a very voracious reader. You don't have to reveal your age, but did you read more in college than you did out after college? No, I read much more before college, the least during college, and now I'm slowly getting back to my pre-college reading levels. Did you feel superior to your high school classmates because yes. you identified as a reader? Yes, always. Do you For know, more reasons than that. I understand. Do you you're you have a lot of friends, I'm assuming, in grad school or law school at this point. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do you think you read more or do, do they read more? Um I think by the nature of them being in school, they probably read more, but I definitely read more for fun than most people I know. Do you, does your boyfriend read? Yes. He okay. reads less than me, but yes, he does read. Would you date a man or a woman that did not read? I have. Okay. Um I haven't since high school though, so I think that's a that should tell you. That's fair. That's fair. What if they're like, well, I like to read a lot of essays. Uh, That's fine. That's still reading. Um, If you are like, I only read poetry, whatever, that's fine too. But have you ever met anyone that only reads poetry that doesn't read books? No, but I'm sure they exist. Like, I'm very sure they do. I don't. I don't agree whatsoever. I've heard a lot of people like, oh, I've only read the new thing on Vox. I've read the long read piece that was recommended to me. Because I'm listening to Gimlet Media, which is a fine podcast company. No, no, it really is. No shade. But what I'm saying is. Uh, what we're going to do now is recommend physical books and or digital books because to me they're all one and the same for the people to read this holiday season or pretend to read this holiday season. Yeah. So what is one book that you made you a better person? That's the premise of today's show. Mm-hmm. A book that made you a better purpose person. Give me one book thus far. Okay. Um, I would actually love to st- start out with Stiff. Um, Mary Roach's book about dead people. Okay. It is a much longer title than just Stiff. It is like Stiff the interesting lives of dead bodies whatever um 
this was the last book I wrote about for the piece that's going up on the website. Uh, and it made me realize that all of the books I have loved the most this year and all of the books I've cared about the most this year took difficult or upsetting or dark topics and found a way to bring levity to them. Um, and I think that's a pretty good descriptor of what we try to do every day in 2017 and what many people are trying to do in their lives. Um, it's been a hard, mean, weird year. Uh, and anything that can bring a sort of comedy or love or care to a difficult subject uh, has been such a joy for me to consume. Okay, so the other part of the title that Kaylee didn't mention is Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers. Yes. Okay. Yes. So this is from 2003. I've read this book as well. Uh, I highly recommend it as well. 100%. I think it's age appropriate for anyone high school and beyond. Maybe not before. Yes, high school and beyond. And I would say it is the perfect book for public transportation. It's a good book because people, in theory, leave you alone. Well, and I read it on my Kindle, so I don't think that applies. Um, But every chapter, she covers a different subject. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's very digestible and in tiny bites so if your commute is only a half an hour you know like you breeze through maybe two chapters and you're good uh and by the time you are going home you're on to your next topic there's one i haven't read this book in over 10 years but there's one image i still remember i know you're gonna mention this do you remember the 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 field where they leave the yeah okay that's i think the first chapter there you go yeah i then i I remember that uh there's just a dead body rotting sitting across against a tree yep that's a that's a holiday book it is a holiday book um and if you remember correctly about that chapter it's like a park in which all of the bodies are in different stages so it's really a wonderland of like that person's fresh and that person's very not fresh so this is a great book i do not at all recommend her newest book i have not read it um this is one of the few that i gave up on this year is the newest grunt yeah it's all about military hardware okay and i don't care about that yeah if you're into military hardware it's fascinating okay but if you're not you're good but yeah, Mary Roach is a very fantastic, easy to digest pop culture writer. Yeah. Somewhat. Speaking of pop culture writer, my favorite book that I've read in 2017 that kind of talks about pop culture is mm-hmm. uh, We Are Never Meeting in Real Life by Samantha Irby. I've been following Irby for a long time. Plug here. She was on my other show, You Meet Them Everybody, about eight years ago. So I, I've really enjoyed her work. This is in the same vein as Roxanne Gay. Okay. When it comes to bad feminist. Right, right. Not so much hunger. Because it's not nearly as depressing as Hunger. Mm. Hunger is made it on this list, and uh, uh, it was recommended by multiple people. Only one person wrote about it. She, Roxanne Gay, was probably the most pitched author for this feature. Samantha Irby that doesn't surprise me. Not at all. Samantha Irby is definitely the most fun that fits in that that should be on that same shelf. Right. Okay. This is a great book as a gift, as a physical book, because the cover features a wet cat that's screaming. It's a it's a beautiful cover. That's why I recommend Samantha Irby. And I think we should clarify right now that if you get a book as a gift and you already have the book, is there something wrong with giving it to someone else? No, I would say absolutely not. Have you ever returned a book? No, never in my life. Yeah, neither have I. That's kind of weird. Yeah, I would donate it. I would give it away before I returned a book. Okay, so that's my second pick. What's your third pick? Or your second pick? My second pick, uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, the Devil in the White City by Eric Larson. Uh, this was really my year of catching up on books that were critically acclaimed for many years now, sometimes even a decade. Uh, 
not only I, I think there's a movie supposed to be coming out about it. I think Leonardo DiCaprio bought the rights for that. Um, so not only do I think it's a good time to hop on that bandwagon and the true crime bandwagon in general, um, but what really stands out to me about the devil in the white city is not H.H. H. Holmes and not his origin story. Um, not about the like very cruel and disgusting things that happened during the world's fair, but about how such a small group of people can significantly change not only the country, but the city. Um, you know, it's really a drama about architects and their weird infighting and their weird loyalties and, in some ways, it's a tragedy uh, because you have these alliances that are started and ended all within the fair. Um, but you can tell these men cared so much about the city of Chicago and cared so much about being Americans. Um, and they wanted to make their mark on the country. And they did. And, you know, there are buildings in Chicago that are there because of them. Sure. And all of that. It's disappointing because most every one of these buildings no longer exists. Yes. Burned down. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you realize this. That book also came out in 2003. Really? You're two for 2003. All right. I love that year. Speaking of horrible murder and men that changed the history of the world, I'm going to go with The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer. Yes. Which came out a long time ago. It came out during between Twin Peaks season one and two. It was re-recorded for Twin Peaks of the Return, featuring Cheryl Lee doing it for the first time. And I'm recommending the audiobook version of it. It's incredibly creepy and depressing because you realize the entire premise of Twin Peaks isn't about the mystical. It isn't about anything fancy. It's about ignoring the very obvious pleas of a woman, of a girl... Who was brutally assaulted? Yeah, from her dad, who grew up in a, a very upsetting household in a general way. Yeah, so uh, it, so far we've got a lot of fun, fun time <laughs> picks. But yeah, Jennifer Lynch wrote this. Uh, I think she was either a teenager or early twenties, and it's it's held up remarkably well. It reads like the diary of a teenager, and uh, I think Twin Peaks in twenty seventeen was the best piece of art in twenty seventeen, and I think that this is part of canon and should be uh, should be absorbed. And I think that if you were one of the, like, 400,000 people that actually watched the show, you will enjoy it. Uh, do we have any books on the list about dragons? I don't think so. I don't believe so. I do have a follow-up question about Feel free, yes. Laura Palmer. Uh, do you know how old Jennifer Lynch was when she wrote it? Yeah, Jennifer Lynch was, like, late teens. Okay, so she yeah. was a teenager, right, yeah. from a teenager's perspective. Yes. That's amazing. I'm going to look that up while you talk about your third pick. Yes, my third pick is uh, Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. Again, a book that's been out for years and is critically acclaimed. Uh, this has been recommended to me so many times by so many different people. Um, I'm a huge consumer of horror and things that, that in general have a morbid slant. And I don't know why it took me so long to finally finish it, but I did. And it was heartbreaking from top to bottom. I loved every minute of it. Again, this is a... This is a book that deals with some incredibly upsetting topics. I mean, you've got child death, mutilation. There you go. It's, it's, it all connects, man. <laughs> it all connects. Um, you know, assaults in many different forms uh, and in general just growing up in an incredibly difficult environment. And yet there is so much love within it for families and for characters, and you know, you know, fathers and mothers and daughters and brothers and sisters um and strangers and freaks as they say in the novel in general um there is so much heart in it that book did not come out in 2003 that came no, out in 1989 didn't. i had to read that book 
as part of a women's studies slash English class in 2003. Did we're you still, like it? I loved it. Okay. It's one of the few books that I'm surprised that HBO or Showtime has not optioned. I thought at one time it was purchased by someone. That I know there was right. a play. There you go. That happened. Um, it should be, though. I'm going to go a completely different route here. I'm going to go nonfiction. I'm going to recommend from 2009, 60 feet, 6 inches, a Hall of Fame pitcher and a Hall of Fame hitter. Talk about how the game is played by Reggie Jackson and Bob Gibson. Do you know who Reggie Jackson is? No. Do you know who Bob Gibson is? No. That's fine. <laughs> Bob Gibson was a, is a Hall of Fame pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. He was amazing. Uh, Reggie Jackson is uh, Mr. October. He hit a lot of home runs in the World Series, played for the Yankees and the A's and a bunch of other people. They played forever. They played for like 20 years each. Okay. This is a, a book. It's essentially a conversation between the two. And I love it because in 2017, I read more books or consumed more books about baseball than anything else because after 2016, I wanted something that made sense. So I went to sports. In sports, there are set rules and you know the objective of the game and you know how it's played. And yes, uh, politics is sport, but not really because it affects people's lives. This is just sports. Mm -hmm. So I've been consuming a lot of these. And the reason why I found this book so interesting is because if you don't care about baseball, you can still find fascinating things about it. I learned a lot about uh, filming techniques. For example, one of the ways to fi uh, to lie to a pitcher if you're a batter is to slightly move throughout your at-bat in the batter's box so it looks like you're closer, it looks like you're further. It doesn't look like you've moved. That's really no different than how Orson Welles played with cameras in Citizen Kane. That's what I love about it. If you're into social justice and racism in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in America, this book is full of stories about that. And that's kind of important in 2017 in America. So... While it may not seem like the type of book that's about social justice or about filming techniques, that's why I'm recommending this book, 66 Inches, a Hall of Fame pitcher and a Hall of Fame hitter talk about how the game is played. Uh, I'm the only person in the office that loves baseball. You so. are. Uh, is this the best baseball book you read in 2017? No, this is... Uh, it's not the best one. I'm thinking my favorite baseball book I read in 2017 was Fair Ball by Bob Costas, written about... 12 or 13 years ago and none of his predictions came true oh that's amazing so that's why i really like that i really enjoyed the baseball codes by jason turbo that's probably my second favorite and hands down my absolute favorite was ladies and gentlemen the bronx is burning by jonathan Mahler. that was turned into an uh an, a fictionalized espn series like a decade ago so I want to say the only thing I've read this year that has to do with baseball. You, the fact that you've read anything about baseball is impressive. It's a Stephen King short story. Okay. <laughs> um, that takes place in the early days of baseball when you could really ruin a person physically because there were no rules. Did you just beam him a lot? Um, I think there was like a there was some sort of brass knuckles involved or something or like having a needle in the palm of your hand so you could stab someone. It was fascinating. Nope, that's not what happened. Um, no, definitely not. Did you, you, so you've never read Stephen King's like not scary book about the Red Sox, have you? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, and I also haven't read I, like 112263, which is his not yes, scary, yes. like historical yes. novel. Have you watched that series? I have not. Starring the great James Franco. I have not, but I, I've really wanted to. All right. Do you have any book suggestions for gifts? For gifts? Um, 
Absolutely. I so okay. Um, this is a book I'm still reading, and I've been reading forever because I like to read multiple books at a time. Um, but the post is coming out or has came out, and so I highly recommend people read Personal History. It is one of the best memoirs I've ever read in my entire life, and it won a Pulitzer, which is bonkers to me that your life is so good you get a prize for it. That's a that's good. Uh, here's a book that will probably not win a Pulitzer. That I adored. It's uh, This is a 2017 pick. A 20-minute silence followed by applause by Sean Wen. It's a book about Marcel Marceau. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I like this so much is because it, it was a mixture of like lists and poetry and 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 random like thought experiments. It, yeah. it, it was incredibly easy to digest, similar to Stiff in that way. Right. You could just pick it up at any time. And uh, it's one that I got from the DC Public Library on the Kindle so I didn't finish it and I thought about it for like two months before I got it back and I was excited to reread it mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing that I think is very difficult to do so that's by Sean Wen I kind of want to recommend this to buy in print form to give as a gift because it's just so pretty even though I had the digital version sure it, was that the only book you reread in 2017 um I've reread older passages okay like I I read the secret diary of Laura Palmer when I first got into Twin Peaks about gotcha. a decade ago, but I didn't listen to it until this year. Right. And then every once in a while, I'll pick up this <laughs> the book about pitching, Christy Mathieson pitching in a pinch. Because I will say, if someone tells me they have reread a book now in this day and age, that immediately makes it more interesting to me. Um, I've reread a lot of comics this year, but I'm not including those. Okay. I feel like it's easier than ever to not reread anything. The DC Public Library is so good. You know, audiobooks have really become incredibly popular. Maybe they've been popular. I don't know. I hear people talk about them more than ever. And obviously, like, everyone has a Kindle. So there's just too many options for reading. Do you think, how many people do you think use their Kindle? A lot, I would assume. Okay. Okay. Uh, I will say, I think cover design and graphic design in books has gotten so much better than it used to. Do you care about comic books at all? I don't. Okay. Um, although one of the things I asked for personally for Christmas is Alan Moore's From Hell, which is a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so Did that would be the my movie? first foray. No, I didn't. It's bad. Okay. Cool. My final two picks is essentially one pick and then we'll close with you. Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine. Beautiful. This is the most mainstream of both picks. This is the most, the most mainstream fiction thing you'll probably hear this year and mm. the most non-fiction famous thing both are david sedaris related theft by finding diaries 1977 to 2002 by david sedaris i thought i was gonna hate it mm-hmm. and it was pointless and i loved every minute of it and it scratched all the itches that me talk pretty one day had love that book and it's so easy to forget how great he is because so many people has copped his style mm-hmm. he still stands out and these diaries are beautiful and, he, and I'm recommending the audiobook of Lincoln and the Bardo by George Saunders because David Sedaris is one of the three main leads. Mm-hmm. The other played by George Saunders and Nick Offerman. Very interesting. Yeah, Nick Offerman and his wife, Megan Mullally, production company, bought the rights to that. So they're a big part of the audiobook. I have no idea how they're going to film this thing. Sure. It's my favorite new fiction book of 2017, but that's not at all surprising. He is beloved. You've probably already right. heard this and seen this on Best Level List, but specifically the audiobook I thought was amazing. So many voc- so many voice talents on that, and it really stood out. I think it's difficult to listen to fiction audiobooks and to get into it. Right. And, and this stood out. Maybe it's because it was people like David Sedaris. It's so unique, but you can't go wrong with that. This is incredibly mainstream. What is your last pick before we get to Best Week in Bets? My last pick is 
a book I'm still unsure of whether I enjoyed it or not but I thought it was a really fascinating take on a genre I love uh kind of genre bending super weird definitely a fun book to discuss because I feel like it it brings up a lot of strange questions and is kind of polarizing uh and unfortunately I cannot remember the author of this book uh but the answers this did come out in 2017 I believe amazing cover truly beautifully designed um but was kind of a a mix on science fiction and romance and drama uh features like a kind of boyfriend experience that takes place in New York there's like some weird magic and spiritualism um it's a strange take on love and the different ways you can love someone uh and it made me feel bad but I liked it. Oh, that's good. So it's yeah. by Catherine Lacey. It came Catherine out Lacey. this June, and you're absolutely right. This cover is really solid. Yes, I would say this is great if you have a friend that has the opposite taste of you for you both to read it and see how you feel about it. Super light kind of science fiction. Maybe you wouldn't even call it science fiction, but it seems to be set in a world definitely different from ours. So there you go. Those are over a dozen picks. I'm assuming a dozen picks. I don't know. There's more than 10 picks of books that we've just given you that you could either read or lie to people and say you've yeah. read, and then you'll be more attractive to them as a human being. So uh, here's a little bit more Baby Bri Bri, and we'll be back with Best Weekend Bets. All right, every Thursday, British Young Things produces Best Weekend Bets for Chicago, New York City, Washington, D.C., and Gay Washington, D.C., which is the same as regular Washington, D.C., but events about gay culture. Yeah, and a little more fun. There you go. So this week, we're going to do our normal Best Weekend Bets, but it is a holiday weekend, so the pickings are a slim. Are you going anywhere, or are you in D.C.? Uh, I am in D.C. for most of this weekend, but then I will be in Maryland and then New York. What are you going to do in New York? I will be with my best friend on this earth. We will go see Hot Chip DJ somewhere. Cool. We will probably be very high. Cool. So you're going to do the same things I did do when I was in college in 2003. Yes, exactly. I am no longer in college, so that makes me feel bad. Thanks, Brandon. You're welcome. All right, so this Thursday, the day you're listening to this, hopefully the day you're listening to this, Thursday, December 21st, what is your pick, Kaylee? My pick is Bruno Mars. Uh, That dancey, wonderful man will be at MGM National Harbor. Uh, a place I have only ever been to to see Cher. Yeah. But I'm sure it will be amazing. Yeah. I really love uh, his most recent album. I think it is a poppier version of everything Chromio has ever done. And I don't mean that to slight Chromio no. or Bruno. I love both of them. I will say if you have only listened to the hits, Chunky is an amazing song that wasn't a hit. And I think of it every time I pay my rent for reasons you will realize when you listen to the song. I'm going to look up Bruno Mars' current set list to see if he's even playing Chunky on this. Because if he's do. doing if he's doing arenas, I don't know if he's going to be playing anything that isn't a hit. Fair point, but how much music does he really have? I mean, he's a guest on a lot of people's stuff too. Like 24 Karat Magic is not that long of an album. All right, let's Okay, so he's he's on the 24 Karat tour right now. He did, he is playing Chunky. Yeah, it's a great one. You will probably hear it song 7. It is it is a dancey hit. All right, I didn't. I like I, it more than. I am Versace. now realizing that he does not have that many hits. He doesn't. He's got a lot, but not like crazy amount. No, not a share amount. All right, that's no no Tino shade on Bruno Mars. 
My pick is John Waters at the Birchmere. He's bringing his annual Christmas show to the Birchmere. Kaylee's interviewed John Waters. I've interviewed John Waters. I think at one point you had to legally interview John Waters if you wanted to work for British Young Things. We all have done it. It's yeah. fine. He's a, he's a good man. It's a hazing ritual. He's a Baltimore man. He'll be at the Birchmere, almost D.C. And uh, one of my favorite things in Washington, D.C. right now is a celebration of one of my least favorite drinks, the vodka soda. There's a vodka soda pop-up at DC9. You profiled them this week. I have. I was just there hours ago. Okay. Explain the the vodka pop-up to the listener at home. The vodka pop-up is a celebration of everything that is not a pop-up, not a theme, and makes no sense. Okay, continue, because you just said nothing. Yeah, that is kind of what makes it funny. Vodka soda is not a theme for a bar to have. It is a drink. It is a very basic drink, arguably the most basic drink. Yeah. I would say it is one of the first things you learn to make as an idiot when you are <laughs> a child. Sure. Um, and obviously because pop-ups are very big in D.C. right now and people love them and uh, people go all out with their themes and their decorations and their cocktail menu... DC9 has decided to take the most basic, not a real thing, and has really made it a theme. Cool. It's amazing. It feels like you're living inside of a vodka soda when you're there. So it sounds like underage and real unsafe. You think so? That's what, when I think of vodka sodas, I think of like, yeah, I think of really drunk people that shouldn't be drinking that probably need to eat more. I will say everything I tried, and I did not try the entire cocktail menu because I wouldn't be able to do this right now. Uh, was crazy refreshing, super drinkable. Like you could yeah, easily get very vodka wrecked. Sodas. You you're gonna get real wrecked, but you're gonna have a fun time. Uh, it's it's cute. The DC Nine staff are lovely. All right, DC Nine. Uh, for those of you that don't know, is around the it's like two doors down from Nellie's. It's at Ninth and U. Uh, it, it's an interesting area. Yeah. Um. And I would also say if you go there and figure out it's not for you, go to the Roof Bar because exactly. it's a beautiful it's a, it's bar. A, do you think that they have any desire to turn the roof bar into a vodka Red Bull pop-up? No, but I'm really into that. Uh, as a side note, I would love a Monster Energy drink pop-up if we could make that happen. Let's not make that happen. Friday, uh, you have the dumbest pick of the weekend. I do have the dumbest pick of the weekend. What's my pick? Nick Cannon. <laughs> oh, yes. Nick Cannon uh, is bringing that hit television show, Wild and Out, to Capital One Arena. So this I, is my favorite thing. Before you continue, yes. I, do you know what time the show is? I do. Oh wait, yes, because you told me. But Brandon, please tell us anyway. Wild and Out at the Capital One Arena is at nine p.m. Yeah. Okay, that's whatever. Do you know why it's at nine p.m.? Why is it? At 9 because he's got a seven p.m. show. Of also, Wild and Out. Of Wild and Out. So he's trying to double dip. He's trying to are make they that money. Both at Capital One. They are not. What's the first? Where's the first one? I'm looking that up right now. All right, cool. While you do that, please let me tell you while this is my pick. Uh, Wild and Out was a show I watched weirdly a lot of when I was a child. Uh, and this is because... You've just Nick- made a lot of people feel real old. Sure, whatever. That's their problem. Nick Cannon used to be the chairman of Teen Nick, the slightly older version of Nickelodeon, the cartoon channel. And so when you were young, you'd see Nick Cannon on Nickelodeon constantly and then when you heard he had this other new fun show Wild and Out it was like yeah mom and dad I'm gonna watch that so I watched a lot of Wild and Out so Wild and Out is also at the show place arena in Upper Marlboro wow that's quite at 7 p.m. how is he gonna make that here's another fun thing about this the the Capital One uh, show includes a meet and greet option 
I mean... So Nick Cannon's going to be shaking hands and kissing babies from like 5 p.m. to like 2 a.m. But how is he going to beat that traffic from Upper Marlboro to the Capital One Arena? Oh, that show's not going to start on time. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, also, the, there's like 12 ambitious. people built... Mariah Carey's cost a lot of money to pay that alimony. Uh, well, she's got to pay alimony no, to him, right? No way. No way. Number she's, one, there's uh, there's got to be an agreement where he's not paying... No one's paying anybody. You think so? And he's got to be trying to win Mariah back. Yeah. He's got to do these two arena shows a night. Who is she with right now? Probably a Russian billionaire. Have yeah, you not? Right. Have you watched her re- reality show? I have not. It's fun. What I have watched is she did an interview with, I want to say, Vogue, where they just went through her closet. Yeah. And it is the best video, crazy obscene. Just, the woman is made of money. Speaking of made of money, this is a bad transition, uh, you can drink some drinks inspired by Charles Dickens at Petworth Citizen on Friday. That's an option. That is an option. I uh, like Petworth Citizen. Sure. Do you think anybody's going to be going to both Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out at the Capital One Arena and Petworth Citizen? It's an option. It's an option. I'm going to say the crossover is slim, but hey, what do you, I know. Hey, <laughs> you have fun. You do you. I uh, would say, Brandon, before you go on, oh, please. I'm very intrigued to see what these cocktails based on Charles Dickens are, because when I think of Charles Dickens, I mainly think of sadness. Yeah. So there you what go. What if it's a vodka pop-up? Our other option for the night is uh, the exact opposite of a, not the exact opposite, actually. At the Folger Theater, Folger Shakespeare Theater, is a very fancy place. Low, low, how a rose or blooming. Seasonal early music of Germany. Hey, you know what? I bet Christmas in Germany is beautiful. So, so. there you go. So you can have your cocktails inspired by Charles Dickens. Real sad. Then just, go to the just f- ashy, and there's bits of paper. Then in go them. to the Folger for a very nice evening of music. Then go a few blocks away, have some laughs with Nick Cannon presents. Wild and out live at the Capital One Arena and have the weirdest date night of your life. You're good pal Nick Cannon. He seems like a fine guy. He seem I think he seems nice. He worked with kids for a long time. Oh, I don't yeah, know. Why. No one does okay. No. I know, I know you shouldn't feel that way, but it makes me feel like he's a nice good person. I want you to be right, I know you're wrong. Saturday, December twenty third. What is your pick? My pick is a Christmas story at AFI Silver Spring. Brandon, do you know what time this movie is screening? Yeah, I do. All right. It is screening at Blaze It 420. That's um, not appropriate, AFI Silver Spring. You could have programmed not. that at 415, 425. You did that on purpose. That's hey, not cool. could have just picked 4 o'clock. Yeah, there's nothing. Come on. We know how many theaters you have. Um, AFI Silver is my favorite traditional theater in the District of Columbia. Number one, not in the District of Columbia. You're right, but whatever, D.C. metro area. Um, Other cities do it, we can do it too. Uh, AFI Silver is an amazing theater. It's the perfect size, uh, small, but still has enough screens that you don't feel like you're locked into watching anything. They do fun reruns and also new movies and also movies you can't see anywhere else in D.C., Yeah, you can never see a Christmas story. Um, Yeah, thank you, Brandon. Um, There's just, it's just a a joy for me to go there. Uh, And I know you can see a Christmas story on TV constantly during the month of December, but why not support an amazing local business and see it on the big screen? Because let's be real, you probably never have. Yeah, you probably blew all your money at Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out Live at Capital One Arena. You can't afford to go to AFI. I'm going to stay in and watch a Christmas story. And later in the night... I'm going to go to 930 Club for, uh, it's an all-locals bill, and we actually profiled one of those artists this week. It's Echelon the Seeker, Dreamcast, OG Lullabies, Redline Graffiti, 
Foots and Coals, and Flash Frequency. Uh, a few of those artists have performed on Brightest Young Things shows before. You can find that coverage on brightestyoungthings.com. But earlier this week, we profiled Redline Graffiti. So find that there. Once again, that's one, two, three, four, five, six local bands at a very hopefully full 930 club. That should be a good show. Also, I believe OG Lullabies was at our uh, Photo Week DC opening party show. There you go. There's So like ha- more than half that bill we've worked with before. And then after or before you go to that 930 club show, we recommend stopping off at 600T, which is a newish bar. It's about a month old. We just profiled them on brightestyoungthings.com earlier this week. If you're looking for a dark bar, our writer, Jose Lopez Sanchez, said it's a good cuffing bar. I hate that word. And I love Jose, so I'm sorry, Jose. No, I'm it's I'm a married man, so I don't care. And I uh, do not feel any sympathy towards people that are in cuffing season, which is a term that he used. Hate a lot. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it looks very cool. It looks very dark. And his one complaint was it's a little bit too pricey. Every drink is $14, so... I would Maybe. say, unfortunately, that's just becoming normal for the area. How is the prices at the vodka pop-up bar down the street at oh, DC9? Oh, you know what? It, I don't know, but I do have a picture of the menu, so I will pull it up right now, uh, and you will get Part some Part of me hobbies. hopes they're all like $19. They're oh, either like $3 or they're going to be like 8 Um, they? The prices range between 9 and 10 so there you go. What a rip-off. All right. <laughs> Sunday, Christmas Eve, our slimmest of pickings. What are you going to recommend? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm recommending uh, Light Yards at the Yards Park. Um, Light Yards is in our installation that has been happening for a couple of years in D.C., although I'm not sure how many. Um, it is open pretty much constantly, yeah, I believe, from uh, mid-December to early January, mm-hmm. I want to say. Um, it's a cute little art installation. This year they have some interactive stuff. Uh, so all you need is really a smartphone or Anything with a flashlight, to be honest. And you can uh, interact with the weird colored spheres uh, that they okay. have. Um, and right. so so one of them is interactive. And the other one just kind of plays almost this Tim Burton-esque little fantasy shadow world. Uh, it's cute. It's fun. Get some hot chocolate. All right. Hang out there for a couple of minutes. Go to Whaley's or whatever. I'm going to recommend Rasa, which is a hell of a lot cheaper than Whaley's. Yes. Uh, uh, Rasa's brand new. It's the first fast casual Indian restaurant from the sons of the people behind Indique. And it's very good. And you, you could read that profile on BritishYoungThings.com. Speaking of food, I'm going to recommend free waffles at Dewdrop Inn. <laughs> I love Dewdrop. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, it's also Christmas Eve. So what do you, what do you want from us? I'm sorry. Uh, we would have recommended Zoo Lights, but it's one of three nights that Zoo Lights is actually not happening because they're closed. So if you want to see Zoo Lights this weekend, go on Friday or Saturday night. It is definitely the deadest weekend of the year in Washington, D.C. Most of the city will be out. I will not be here. I will be back on Christmas night. Yeah. Going to that 420 show. You're going to that sweet 420 show. At that AFI Silver Spring. For more events, uh, go to brightishunkthings.com and then click on that button that says plans. And there are many more options there. We don't write about every option because not everything is good. Lots of things are bad. It is our job to go through those things and tell you, hey, this might not suck. Hey, we just want you to have a good time. And if you don't have a good time, that's on you. But we want you to try. I think this is a fine episode. We told people what to read to be more attractive to people. We told people what to do. We we talked about the greatest date of all time, which is going to drink some sad drinks at Petworth Citizen inspired by Charles Dickens, and then some classical music at the Folger, and then some Nick Cannon comedy at the Capital One Arena. Yeah, and I think that should be a first date, friends, uh, if That's you're That's an asking. expensive first. You have to do the meet and greet if you're going on a date. Oh, 100%. So that's like $170 per Easily. person. 
I'm assuming the Charles Dickens drinks are, are incredibly expensive. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say, and this is still expensive, but I'm going to say $12. God, it's so expensive to drink. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Find us at brightestyoungthings.com, and we'll talk to you next week. Here is some more Baby Bri Bri.